Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. It's been 620 long days. Let's play football again. The CFL is back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Waggle Podcast brought to you by us here at the CFL and CFL.ca and myself, Donovan Bennett, and we have games to talk about again, both past tense and future tense. Four games went down this weekend, all but one, pretty close, in a high-caliber football, and four big ones again this week. We are back on schedule. Thursday game, Friday game, two Saturday for the foreseeable future. And to talk about it, let's break it down with someone who's going to be calling the, a good number of those games for the foreseeable future. Let's get to the man himself, Rod Black, voice of CFL and TSN on the Waggle Podcast. And we are joined by that voice of the CFL on TSN, really the voice of a lot of things in our country, the voice of basketball <laughs> at times, voice of figure skating at times, voice of the Olympics. Uh, but yeah. it's nice to hear your voice in the context of Canadian football. And just for those who don't know, as the players with no preseason were working off some rust, what was it like for you to get back in the saddle calling games after what was such a long layoff since 2019? Yeah. Hey, Donovan, good to talk to you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of many voices. Uh, <laughs> maybe I could do some impressions later. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what? It was it was like probably like the players I sat before the game with Glenn Suter where you're driving to the stadium and we both were kind of like, man, this has been a long time. And then, uh, you know, we're with our statistician, Dave Moyer, uh, as well before the game. And, I'm, you know, we can't go to the field uh, right now. And I love, I'm sure you do too, DB, you know, you love going to the field and you love talking to the players. You just love the smell of the field before a game. And unfortunately, we're going to miss a lot of that for the next few weeks. So I'm standing up there and looking over the scene as the crowd was filling in. And, you know, we had the drone shots. Our, our great production team has the drone shot of, of the stadium and I'm watching them outside. And I was really getting pumped up and excited. It was almost like a Grey Cup game to me. Uh, but again, you know, we're sitting there going, man, it's been a while. And then, you know, once I guess, you know, you, you got back on the bike, even though you haven't ridden that bike for a while, you haven't even taken the, the bike for a test spin. Uh, you, you get on the bike and then you go and the game really takes over. And man, it was, it was just so great to be back doing football, to watch football. I think I speak for everybody who's a Canadian football league fan that man, it was it was like Christmas Day. It was like New Year's Day, I guess maybe more so. And I hate to throw all these religious things, but maybe more so Easter because there was truly a rise up and, and it was awesome, man. It was awesome. So for those who haven't, you know, had the opportunity, obviously we've had four games this weekend, but, you know, if you were in the southern Ontario area, you're not going to be in a stadium for a little while. What was it like to be back in a stadium mm. rocking once yeah. again right like as yeah. we, we start to get back to that new normal i suppose you know so it, it was weird actually um and you know I've, I've been lucky enough during covid to to get to a couple of sporting events including i was i was just lucky enough to be down in tampa for the stanley cup final and it was weird then i i, I really felt weird I, you know we haven't been around crowds we haven't been around people and 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 i was 
you know, I, I guess maybe that social distance part of me and the masking part of me, but there was nobody in masks. And I thought for a second in Tampa that, you know, everybody was showing because I'm double vaccinated as most of us in Canada are. And I thought, okay, well, everybody's showing their, their vaccine. Well, no, they didn't. But here, everybody had to show their proof of vaccination. Uh, and I think it took a little longer than usual to get everybody in. But once everybody was in, you know, it was cool. But I, I, I will say, it, you know, I was I, looking at the highlights and watching some of the games, you know, seeing Saskatchewan and Mosaic, which it just looked normal, Donovan. It looked normal. You know, it looked like actually we were watching a replay of games two years ago. And, you know, nobody was in masks, which that's where we want to get to. Let's hope, fingers crossed, that, you know, this variant doesn't spread among the vaccinated. But it was kind of different. It was weird, mm -hmm. but it was a good weird. It's the kind of weird we've needed for a long time because, let's face it, the last almost two years have been extremely weird. Yeah, no question. And as you get back on that bike, as you say, one of the biggest hurdles, I suppose, is the turnover that you see across the league. And the mm. there's a high rate of turnover from team to team and in and out of the league in general. Add two off seasons to that, plus a pandemic. I wonder what it was like for you to, to call a game and to put together yeah. a board. Hamilton yeah. and Winnipeg, probably the two teams to start maybe with maybe the most continuity. But yeah. what yeah. was it like to figure out, okay, who's calling yeah. plays for this team again? And <laughs> yeah. Who's in the backfield? Yeah. I hear you, brother. You know what? I, it's been like, uh, I, well, here's the thing. I thought last year there was going to be turnover. I mean, from the coaches, you know, to the players, to the free agents, to the trades, um, to those players who have not, are not coming back and playing, like Luke Tasker. You know, we didn't even know really, you know, four or five days beforehand until, you know, Luke did decide to, you know, fade off into the sunset. And, you know, he's, he's unfortunately for Luke, he's, he's joining, joining the lowest common denominator, being part of one of us <laughs> helping with the Ticats broadcasts and uh, their streaming, but you know, they're just little, you, you go through all the, you go through all of the, the boards and all the rosters and you see how much turnover and yeah, they did have continuity Hamilton and Winnipeg, but the fact is they also lost a lot of players because of injury. And so there were some newcomers and then, you know, you, you know what it's like. You've done games. You got to go through and you go through every possible, you know, Wikipedia source. Every I, I like to go through video. I like to go back and look at their games when they were in college. Some of these newcomers, I like to go back and see. You know, I like to go. I, I really like to take a deep dive on a lot of players and find out who they are before we just say their name. And 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 sometimes when you say their name in the past, you know, because there's no video, you say it wrong. And for many years, it's their name is wrong. And so that's a big thing for me. I want to make sure we get it right. It was certainly unique. Um, we've never, you know, it's almost like getting into a relay race and coming off a standing start. Uh, but like I said, once the game began and you see the familiar faces, Donovan, you see, you know, I, it was so good to see Jeremiah Masoli in the game that we did. You know, we haven't seen him in two years. Uh, it, it, that was so cool. Sean uh, Thomas Erlington, haven't seen him in a while. It was cool, you know, to... To see the last time we saw Zach Caleros, all he did was win. And by the way, he hasn't lost as a bomber yet, you know, winning a Grey Cup and, and all of those things. You can see I'm, I'm still a little pumped up and excited because it, it was such a special, special occasion, such a special night and a real special opening week in the Canadian Football League. If you had one takeaway, whether it's from the games that you did or action across the league from the week one action, what would it be? I guess defense. I think defense, Donovan, I think you probably saw it too. Um, I, I, I honestly also thought that there might be some, 
uh, scrappy, sloppy play. I was actually pleasantly surprised. There were, you know, I, I think second halves, you saw a lot of teams also the fatigue factor uh, affect a lot of players. Uh, also injuries in, in the game that we did, unfortunately, some injuries early on. But I really noticed the defense and turnovers and and offenses with that lack of continuity, which you mentioned, you know, some of those offenses aren't really able to get into gear quite yet. We saw some fabulous offense, like, don't get me wrong, some great plays. I mean, in that Argo game, you know, that Curly Gittens catch, the the Eric Rogers, every, you know, all of that. I mean, that just looked like CFL 2019. But what really looked like CFL 2019 was the defensive presence. Um, and everybody seemed to be really putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So that was one takeaway. I certainly defense. I would just say the overall atmosphere, the, the joy of, of coming back to football. I think that was probably the, the main takeaway, just the, the return of the game. It's been so long. And I just think win or lose, everybody was just so happy to be there. I really do believe that. Yeah, no question. Everybody won this week. Now that we've got some games back, you mentioned, you know, the offenses and defense obviously being a little bit more advanced at this time of year mm-hmm. that stood out to me. And I wonder, you know, what you noticed kind of being there and, and, and seeing it is, you know, some of the offenses right off the bat looked crisp. Hamilton on their first drive, Toronto on their yeah. first drive. Uh, yeah. And those plays, as you know, are often scripted and you've practiced them throughout the week. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon yeah. as you have to start to make some adjustments or for Calgary, as soon as you get into the red zone and you can't script that, you need to convert, then it was a bit of a different story. And I wonder, you know, as you chart and look forward to, you know, week two now, I, w- I wonder if you, you think you'll see a little bit more consistency mm-hmm. offensively. Yeah, I think they're getting some. They'll get some film now because also there. I, I did notice that teams tried to attack new guys. Right, you saw that with Jalen Acklin early on. They they went to that corner right away in that that Hamilton Winnipeg game. You saw that when when uh, Brandon Alexander went out and they they tried to attack the you know the free safety. You see that, but again, the pressure that the the defensive lines seem to be putting on those O lines. And let's face it, too. I mean, another takeaway from that Winnipeg game. Everybody's talking about Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and Adam Bighill and that great Winnipeg defense, that championship defense that's still very much intact. But their O-line was the reason they won the game. I mean, the protection that Brady Oliveira, which was another fabulous story in week one, to be able, don't get me wrong, he's a terrific runner. I mean, Donovan, you know, you've you've seen running backs, you know, he's a great runner. And he he reminds me a lot of Andrew Harris. I mean, that high school, has been a factory for for running backs, Oak Park High School in Winnipeg. But Oliveira was getting so many great holes, and Calaris was getting great protection. But you know, in that game too, what I did notice is that it took a long time. I I looked I, for a while. I, I asked I asked my stats guy. I said, "Has anybody visited the red zone yet?" And we're like almost in the fourth quarter. And I went, "Oh my gosh, they hadn't." And that said a lot about the defenses. And 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 here's the other one too. I guess I'm like, I'm going all over the place, but there were just so many great stories. The kicking that has existed, all the new kickers that have changed or guys who have walked away, like Justin Medlock and Liram Hiralahu, and, you know, teams that are going these to these two kicks, I thought for the most part did a really good job. And Boris Beatty coming over f- f- to Toronto, um, obviously had the game-winning field goal. So there was a, you know, there was just a lot to digest. And moving forward to week two, I do see the offenses picking it up. I do see a little more momentum. I see a little more video adjustment. 
But I'm hoping too that we get back to where, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I know you love it too. Is it, this league is bent on its offense? It's made on its offense. That's why they put the the iPads on the sideline. That's why they they, you know, they they created rules like they do with with the waggle. I like to see a little more and more, a little more underneath, and I like to see a little more fly. If we can get a little more fly, some more pump and goes, and that's what makes the CFL great. Yeah, no question. You mentioned that offensive line and really Winnipeg, you know, dominating the line of scrimmage on, on both sides, but, you know, led the league last three seasons in Winnipeg and rushing yards and, you know, 22 carries in your, you know, starting debut for Brady Oliveira, 126. Pretty impressive. It was in many ways, as much as time has passed, it was a reminder out the gate that things don't change. Oh yeah, that's right. Dominate the line of scrimmage on both ends, rush the passer, create some turnovers. Yep, this looks a lot like the Grey Cup the last time I saw these two teams play, and it was a similar um, outcome, unfortunately, for Hamilton, fortunately for Winnipeg. You you talked about you know all the preparation that you put in to getting ready for a game and understanding storylines, what's going to happen, and for the first time this year, we really have formal information around injuries so that it helps prep and whatnot. And I wonder what you made of the confusion around the health of Mike Riley and him starting, but then not starting, Nathan Rourke playing, and then he's starting the second half, and then Rourke is back in. What was that like for you to follow? Um, and, and what challenge does that present for you as, as someone who's, you know, calling a game? Yeah, you know, it's strange. Uh, but, you know, Donovan, we live in a, a completely different world now, the betting world as well. And, and so I'm sure there are people who are placing bets based on injury reports. And that's a, that's a, another waggle for another time. <laughs> but I would say uh, it is confusing. And it was really confusing with Michael Riley. And it's kind of, you know... It was so cool to see Nathan Rourke, and and I thought for the most part, for the most part, and yeah, he had a couple of uh, balls that he'd like to have back. I mean, to be thrust into that situation, um, you know, I guess we can always thank you know the guys who came before him, kind of like a Brandon Bridge. I remember when he came in, you know, it was an opening night as well, it's a very similar situation, uh, but it was confusing, and 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 Michael Michael Riley didn't really look right. Having said that, they're down thirty-one zip or whatever it was, being able to rally all the way back. I thought the BC Lions, I mean, made a statement. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I guess sometimes too much information could also lead to disinformation or misinformation. Uh, but it, well, I will agree with you. It was confounding and confusing. Uh, and, and here's the other one. I mean, I don't think there's any subterfuge or anything like that that's going on right now. But at the same time, it goes to show you the mystery of, of the body and the mystery of injuries. One thing I know about Michael Riley, that dude wants to play. That dude will play. It doesn't matter what time it is, where it is. If it's in a sandlot, it's in a driveway. If it's um, a video game, that guy wants to play. And you could almost see him and you could see it in his eyes. So he's not quite right. We'll see when he does get right. Yeah, I was watching, following along, and I wasn't sure if I was super impressed with the bravery of Michael Riley and his ability to figure out a way to move that offense and complete passes or scared for him and wondering why is he in this game and should we not get him out of the yeah. game or, or, or both. Um, but it, it, it gives us another storyline to watch moving forward. And we're the team we haven't seen yet is Montreal. I think the team that was, 
ascending the most really as an organization not even just as a football club towards the end of 2019 and so i'm very curious to see what this long layoff does for, the, for their coaching staff and, and their quarterback vernon adams jr when you look at that team what what piques your interest about them yeah i i totally agree with you they and they piqued my interest big time last year uh they 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 made believers out of a lot of people uh they are they are in so many ways, um, I would say, the team that is is on such a rapid ascent. Well, I think what impresses me most is, is Kahari Jones, the head coach of the team. He's, if, if you can't play for Kahari Jones, you can't play for anybody. I mean, he is he's just a positive dude. Um, I, I do think he's a quarterback's coach in so many ways as well. And Vernon Adams, you know, Donovan, remember a couple of years ago when Vernon Adams looked like he was playing himself out of this league, playing himself out of football? And he righted his ship. And, you know, something he is, in my mind, one of the stars of the game right now. Uh, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, Montreal is one of those teams on the rise. And if you talk to each and every player on that team, there seems to be a real collective brotherhood from offense to defense. I think Danny Machocha is really going to help this year. Uh, I, I just hope that, you know, the fans also realize it. That was the good thing about it, you know. And you know, Montreal can be packed every single night, uh, kind of like Toronto, if Toronto was packed every single night, but they still would have the lowest attendance in the league because the stadium's not that big. But when the stadium was half full, that's when you have concern. I just want to see the fans come back, and I think they will flock back. I really do think they will flock back in Montreal. It's a great atmosphere to be there. Anybody who is listening or has not been to that that, that campus and that stadium, oh my gosh, it's it's great. Um, and great food, great great vibe. You know, uh, especially with the background, the city of Montreal. But this team has got something, and I think they could make some noise. The issue I have, though, I guess. It's not like June, right? You know, you got a 14 game schedule. Like we are playing August, we're playing June games in August where we normally would be playing them. And having that buy makes it, I, I know you're, you know, whether you win or lose, it's only one game, but I think that bye week kind of hurts you the first week in some ways you, yeah, you get another extra week of practice. You get another extra week if you have to heal, but man, if you go oh one one after two weeks, then you're starting to scramble a little bit. Do I think that will be an issue for for Montreal this week? They've they've got Edmonton, of course, and you know that was a good story with the Elks, uh, and, and you know I thought that that game in itself was one of the games of the week. But I think Montreal is one of those teams. I really do believe that it, you know if we're having this conversation, I was going to say October or November, but I guess if we're having this conversation in November or December, don't be surprised if Montreal finds a way to work itself into the equation. Yeah, no question. And you talk about Vernon Adams. He- playing himself out of the league. He was playing himself to a different position. Uh, people really yeah. thought he may have to play yeah. receiver. And now, yeah. talking about betting, if I had to put a bet on who I would choose as a potential MOP, granted it's still very early, but I I, I would <laughs> put Vernon Adams Jr. right in the thick of that conversation. And, and you mentioned the, the truncated season and how that you know heightens everything given the fact that we've got four less games. Look at the matchup on Thursday, first one, for week two, BC Calgary, two teams with, you know, head coaches who expect to win championships, and one of them very quickly could go zero and two in a very yeah. competitive West Division. What games are you doing uh, this week? What, what what do you have on yeah. your schedule? You know what? And, I, yeah, I'll be I'll be a spectator this week because I have to head to Calgary. You know, one of the ca- casualties of um, 
of COVID was the Women's World Hockey Championship. So I have to enter a bubble this weekend for two weeks. So I'm off for a couple of weeks, but I'll be watching. Uh, and then I'm back for Labor Day. But um, I would say, you know, all of these matchups really intrigue me. You know, you're right. Who would have ever thought the BC Lions and Calgary Stampeders, you know, one of those teams could be 0-2. Uh, I, 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 I like the Argo Blue Bomber matchup. I really like that one, um, especially the way the Argos played um, in Calgary, uh, especially defensively. Uh, Montreal, obviously, and Edmonton is 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 going to be an intriguing matchup as well. You'll see one those games. I've done so many Alouette uh, now Elks uh, for so many years. There was always a thrilling finish or a great comeback. It's crazy that game, and I really like the Elks new look. And uh, by the way, I love the antler dance. Did you like that? That was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I um, love that. Yeah, but yeah, but I think the game of the week, honestly, is that Hamilton Saskatchewan game. Uh, Hamilton, they're not as they're not the team. I I I think I don't I don't think they're the team that we saw after that lightning start. Uh, you know, the, quickly out to a six nothing lead, and then they never score a point after that. I'm sure they went to work this week. I don't think you're going to see that. But that Saskatchewan team is awfully good. Cody Fajardo looked like he picked up where he left off in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think he went 12 for 12. Uh, they're really, really good. And there'll be a vibrant atmosphere again. That's the thing. We're, you know, the great atmospheres that you're going to have in all of the stadiums because all of the games are out west. Nothing against the Eastern teams. But, the, you know, that 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 those stadiums, especially Mosaic, you know, uh, IG Field, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, th- there's going to be a buzz there. And that, that I think... There's a there's a there's a hangover from last week as well. I think everybody saw the highlights. Everybody's getting ready. Week two should be very, I, I think, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, you, your call that you've got on the go is going to be very exciting with the World Championships. I'd be remiss if I didn't yeah. get you to preview that a little bit. And I just wonder, coming off of these Olympics and having the vast majority yeah. of our medals being won by by women and the gold standard in terms of yeah. a women's team in our country has long been. Uh, our women's mm. hockey team. Mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if that momentum continues. Obviously, you know, not just on the ice, but how we support our women's athletes. W- w- what are some of the conversations that you're having and what are you looking forward to about, again, a very, very, you know, COVID um, situation where you've got a women's hockey world championship in August? Yeah, yeah. It's... Um... It's different, that's for sure. You know, we were supposed to be up and running back in May in Halifax, and then of course we had the other lockdown. And uh, it, it, the the United States team, and again, I'm not showing bias by any stretch. I mean, I, I you know it makes it better in Canada when we broadcast and Canada wins. But the United States team, quite frankly, over the last certainly the quadrennial has has been a better team. It's almost hard to believe, Donovan, that Canada has not won a World Women's Hockey Championship since 2012 in Vermont. And I remember it like yesterday, it was overtime. Now keep in mind, these teams are very close and a lot of these games go to overtime, go to shootouts. I mean, we might not be talking about that. Let's also make the point, you know, that Canada has uh, won more Olympic gold medals, certainly during that period, but the United States coming off an Olympic gold, they're very, very good. They're very, very fast. And there, there, there's also a movement. Think about this. This is a very important world championships. Unlike any other because we're only five or six months away from another winter olympics in beijing you'd never see this usually you have a rivalry but now to get a world's get some momentum and you know all of these teams and russia's starting to make great strides uh in women's hockey finland is a powerhouse they all should have 
They did win the gold medal. What am I saying? They won the gold medal uh, the last time the World Hockey Championship was held in their homeland, and then they were jobbed by an absolutely ridiculous call at the end. I, I still, it's, it's still confusing to me. Um, okay, clearly, Canada and the United States are the powerhouses, should meet the final, yada, yada, but you don't know. And I just love the development of teams like the Czech Republic. Japan, Japan make great strides in women's hockey. So, you know, I'm excited about that. I wish, you know, again, I'll be watching all those CFL games, but it's so cool to, to see all these young stars. And again, I go back to my daughter and all those other, I'm sure people listening who have daughters or friends, girls who play hockey. It's so nice that they don't have to have their heroes be, and, and they can be, you know, the, 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 the Sidney Crosby's, they don't have to be male heroes. They got female heroes to look up to, like Marie-Philippe Poulin, like Natalie Spooner, like Hillary Knight. And it's, we've come so far and this game is even growing more and more and more. I look forward to it. Here, here's the thing. I look forward to a great final. I would not be surprised, Donovan, if it goes to an overtime or a shootout. That's what I love about women's hockey. Well, if we do get that American-Canadian final, um, you know, we'll maybe hopefully ride the wave of the American-Canadian semifinal in soccer and the Olympics and continue that rivalry. You mentioned uh, the growth of women's sport and really sport in Canada in general. And, you know, you had the pleasure of covering the Olympics and you would know this better than I, but I, I just love the depth in terms of where we potentially could win medals. And before it was the Winter Olympics or uh, events yeah. that you could do at a cottage, right? Rowing, kayaking. Now it's, Anything it's, on water. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Some, Anything on water. Some Any frozen water. water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but now, right, it's you know the beach volleyball or on the pitch or on the court or on the track. Um, and certainly, we've, our women have dominated in the pool. Yeah, it's so uh, fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to watching it as well. Unfortunately, part of that you know story in the Olympics was not in our men's basketball because they weren't there and our women's basketball team didn't mm. fare the best. But but I mentioned it before, Raptors fans obviously have your voice synonymous with the coverage. And people think of you and they think of, and I mentioned it before, so many ways. Voice of Skate Canada, voice of the Olympics, voice of CFL and TSN, PGA, bowling. Uh, but also people <laughs> probably forget Rock, you... rock, paper, scissors. Right. Yes. I, I'm gonna, that's my next exactly. one. Rock, paper, probably... scissors. I'm going to do rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Right. Stone yes. skipping. They probably for... <laughs> yes. They probably forget your Blue Jays coverage at one point. And they probably now are starting to be familiar that on that list of things, you are also Tyler Black's dad. Right? And, and, and um, <laughs> Canadians are really actually, excited that's, for that's his number one. Yeah, I think that's the number. I think that's the number one thing I am now. Is that's what I am. I used to be. He used to be Rod Black's son, but tr trust me, I'd rather I'd rather be uh, Tyler Black's dad. Yeah, and, and you're yeah, you're a St. Andrews College guy too. So you know, I mean, I think St. Andrews College kind of helped Tyler a lot in his formative years. But uh, I do, you know, we're very proud. I mean, there's no doubt this this has been a great journey. I'm, I'm, you know, as I speak to you, I'm down in Illinois with my second son, second oldest son, and he's going to a baseball ride down here as well. And, you know, he could be on that path, but yeah, he's, um, uh, you know, here's the thing. He's been, got a chance to be around all of that and, uh, and around every sport and gone to games and, you know, gosh, I've had him in the CFL booths and it's certainly the Blue Jay booth. And I, I do think by osmosis, they, these kids have picked it up that, you know, what I didn't want them to get picked 
pick it up and say, it's, this is a good, I'm going to go to the game with my dad. He's going to buy me stuff or, you know, I'm going to get, I get to get going free. No, I wanted them to be around uh, winning atmospheres. And, and, and by the way, they, a lot of the CFL guys have, through the years have talked to Tyler in particular. I know Michael Shea talked to him when he was getting his scholarship down in the States and uh, Zach Hilaris was in, you know, a Cincinnati Bearcat. Tyler was thinking about going in that area. And I, you know, just to have that knowledge, I really wanted, I think as a dad, my kids to feed off of that environment and to understand uh, what it means to be there and not just to be there, not the star quality to be in a game or be a pro, but to understand how hard it is, how hard it is to work. You know, the failure, the, 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 you have to have that ability to conquer failure, especially in baseball. So Tyler's been, you know, since he's been a little guy, he's been around that. And uh, like I said, we're, you know, we're really proud. It was a great moment for him to get drafted um, in the, in the first round, which doesn't happen very often, but I will tell you, and people, you know, I I think I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it a a lot um, because, you know, they always kind of put the link, you know, sportscaster and no, no, no. It's in my kid. Uh, first of all, probably got his arm from his mom. <laughs> and secondly, um, you know, they work at it. And, and if, if, if anything that my wife or I was particularly me gave them was that opportunity to see professional athletes up close and just get, um, intoxicated by that work environment. And I, I do think it's paid off for him. So we hope we'll see with my other boy, but yeah, yeah, it was, it's been, it's been a pretty, pretty wild ride. That's for sure. Well, I can't wait for the next uh, portion of that ride. Uh, when you, you get to just watch and be at a game and watch them as a fan, but also maybe yeah. put you in an uncomfortable situation where you're, <laughs> yes. you're sitting in a room having to uh, vote for Lou Marsh, Marsh Trophy Award winners. And, you know, there's one or two with the last name Black that you have to you're, excuse yeah, yourself well, from. That that might be a good well, problem to have. But, yeah, it's but, okay. That the uh... That's okay. I mean, whatever happens, I, I would say if I was doing baseball, you never know, you might be doing baseball again. It, it would be very uncomfortable if, if my kid came to play or was playing in the game. But I, I, I'm actually, Donovan, I will tell you, and you're going to get this being a dad now, is one of the one of the hazards of this job as a, an announcer and, and doing so many sports, as you mentioned, has been has really been the the travel and the inability to get to so many games. My, my son played down in Dayton, Ohio for the last three years, lost to COVID last year. I only saw him play live twice, you know, and because of schedule, um, you know, same thing with my others. And I will, I'm one of those guys that I will drive all night to go watch them and, you know, be with your kids. That would be a good piece of advice to any, any uh, parent out there with young kids in sport. First of all, get them in sport, get them in sport. Don't worry about being pros or anything. There's nothing like it, but you know, try to get to their games, try to be around them, be around them all the time. There's nothing like it. I miss it so much. And I, I honestly can't wait to transition to being that fan. Cause I'm not a fan. I'm sure you're the same. I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of great games. I'm a fan of great performances, but I'm not a fan of any particular team. You know, I'm not, you just, you, you lose your fandom after a while, but I am, um, I, I'm looking forward to, to kind of being that guy and I will be nervous and, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll probably even buy some Milwaukee Brewer gear at some point. So <laughs> even though, even though as sports announcers, you know, how cheap we are, I might have to actually yes. buy gear. 
Uh, I th well, I think you could pass on the cost to your son. You've been carrying him for a while. Maybe it's time <laughs> well, for him to uh, get him get get him off my payroll, man. That's what I want. That's <laughs> the number one thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are fans of you, CFL fans. Love hearing from you and love hearing you on the call. Looking forward to hearing you not only Labor Day but in between calling uh, the women's world championships. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rod. DB, thank you. I uh, love this show, and uh, thanks for all you do. I know you've done a lot of work. Uh, we talked about inclusion and diversity that I've been following, what you've been doing, and uh, all of us are really proud of what you're doing, too. Oh, much appreciated, and likewise. Oh, and thanks again to Rod Black for that, giving us a tour around the league and really a tour around his life as he is so, so involved in sport at a high level in our country. We've got Canadian football at a high level this week across the country. Thursday, BC at Calgary. Friday, Toronto goes to Winnipeg. And then the Saturday, doubleheader, Montreal in Edmonton against the Elks. And then Hamilton and Saskatchewan, two teams looking to get off to a good start and two teams that expect to be in the Grey Cup. So that's a nice end to the weekend, Saturday, 10 Eastern. But don't think you have to wait that long to get your CFL fix. We've got a lot on the website right now. Steiny Steinberg's got his MMQB from his observations from week one, and there are many, including how Macbeth did for the Argos as their spot starter. Is that enough for him to win the job? read his observations from week one. Bethel Thompson also has some quotes about the fact that Argos found out that they have some heart, uh, which they all need because we've got lots of talent on that roster. was really interested to see how they come together early and see if they can keep that momentum uh, in week two. And Canadian content always on the CFL.ca, Nathan Rourke, Canadian QB, passes his first test uh, as a starter through a 75-yard strike for his first ever CFL TD. If you haven't seen it, go watch the highlight. Nice bit of history from him and maybe the next great Canadian quarterback starting his career right in front of our eyes. We do this, though, for your ears, so thank you for listening. Please like, favorite, share, and subscribe. And if you want more CFL content than what I just recapped, no worries, at CFL is the handle on twitter on instagram we're pumping out content on our social feeds and i would say actually one of the things i'm really impressed with is week one the individual team accounts had some really good content and sometimes trolling each other which i'm always here for i'm also here for your interaction so leave us a comment hit us up on twitter get in the mentions at donovan bennett is my handle if you want to talk directly to me but most importantly i'm looking forward to talking to you again about cfl football see you back in this space next time next week thanks for listening the waggle the official podcast of the canadian football league